there. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Creative Vault. Come join me on an adventure as we unlock and discover the secrets of creative success. Let's get started. Do you want to tell them why we are here? <laughs> where, where are we? Uh, <laughs> Alright, hi everybody. So we are currently in the nursing room of the Esplanade. Okay, but um, just some context. Um, we tried to go to Esplanade to find a room, like a quiet-esque room to record. And this is the best we have come up with. The nursery room, this is a rare find. A very lovely lady helped us to find this area. So thank you to that lovely lady. Alright, and I have Quinn with me here today. So hi Quinn, thanks for the t taking the time. Yep, you're welcome. Okay, so do you want to give a quick introduction about yourself and what you do? Mm, it's it's a difficult question because I do many different things. Um, I am a fine artist. I primarily focus in photography. That's my main training in NTU ADM. Um, I also do many other things because I just feel like photography is just one of the many different mediums. Uh, sometimes limiting. Um, not a bad thing, but I do like to meddle with many, many other mediums. Like it could be performance, it can be um, sculptures, installations. So that's the more fine art side of me. Uh, apart from that, what I like to do is to also teach. I just feel like it's second nature for me to, to present myself in front of students, to listen to their issues, and then just bring out their artistic voice into um, whatever that they're doing. So I love, love that process. So teaching is something for me. Um, apart from that, I've been looking into different ways of healing, self-coaching, and that's where I am with regards to the SCA and Lytolabs. So I think that kind of like pretty much sums up a lot of what I do. So um, back to you, Mabel. Very nice. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Oh, we will dive into all of those areas that you have mentioned a bit by bit, but what I am holding in my hand is a book that Quinn actually created and it's, I can't actually pronounce it, it's an abeyant? Abeyant. Abeyant, right. So the book is called The Abeyant Nursery and Quinn, do you want to give a little quick description on the outer cover of the book? Okay, so on the outer cover of, a book, of the book uh, is basically, um, in some sense, a little installation of sorts or assemblage whereby I took an oil pastel and then I took a piece of paper to kind of like paste it onto onto the surface of the of the book so you get to see like the crevices or like rather how the paper kind of folds around this oil pastel it's a bit funny because you have this protrusion out of the book and it's really hard to like you know like stack all, all of them together but I do enjoy how each and every book is slightly different mm. same same but different mm. um, and how it kind of conceals this little past memory or object, which is rather significant to me. With regards to the um, abeyant nursery, uh, it is your understanding to bridge your inner psyche and your external influences. Mm. Sort of your response to growing up in a result-oriented family household, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I read during my research that you hope to reconcile and recover your autonomy through this book as well right. so why the why the name why the title why the title 
Yeah, I just pretend to be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to like you know like thesaurus.com and like uh, uh Okay. No, but uh more more serious yeah, I was just joking. Uh the, the more serious set is to a and I think it's a very interesting word because it comes from this it's this property thing whereby you know like if you pass by like uh, Marine Parade, you see like all those old abandoned uh, bungalows. So those you know that oh those are buildings that are owned by somebody but then they're just left there so it is that state of limbo whereby you own something and don't know who like the owner is so it's some it's somewhat lost all right so that's the state of abeyance and the reason why i chose abeyance because it's almost as if i'm there to reclaim back this plot of land and i no longer like push it aside or put it under the couch but rather it's an act of confrontation to come back to revisit this nursery which I grew up in hence the Abeyan nursery I find that your documentation of your photos during your nursery time is actually very interesting because if we look at a human's life the first three years or so is almost like a blackout to us we don't remember how we grew up or the collection seems very vague or mm. fuzzy so how did you come about in collecting these photos? Mm, that's okay. So I'm just gonna add on to when you mentioned about like sure. two to three years old being sure. fuzzy because for me it felt so real and I could still hold on to those memories, which is Very quite interesting. Strange. Um but partially because I recall that it was a very difficult uh, it was a very difficult year when I was three years old. Yeah, um, it was during then that my mom was a lot scarier. Yeah, the caning came in every single day. You know, like if you don't came one day, she'd come like, "Oh, you think it's the holy day?" Uh? And then after like three days, then she make she made that comment, and then I was like, "Oh shit, it's coming, it's coming!" And then mm-hmm. lo and behold, um, within like half of that day, caning continued. So I was like, wow, it was very difficult. And I think that is one of the reasons why I can remember. Uh, but with regards to your question, um, for all of like, these like, different artifacts that I have mm. from the past, right? Um, my mom did a good job in like keeping all of those like, old photos, mm. uh, the travel photos that we had. My dad loved photography during then, but mainly just to capture like, family moments and stuff. Um, I'm a little bit of a hoarder myself during then. So like test papers are wow, it's like all of this are like hard work. So much hard work put into test papers are like throw no, you don't throw my test papers away. <laughs> this are like my life. Makes sense, yeah. yeah because so they're a, they are accumulation of your life's journey. They're like little milestones, right? That yes. you look back and we can get to that in the book. Yes. As well. Okay. So I think we can move on with okay. Quinn. Could you explain a little bit bring our listeners through on this journey of your book? And I will pop in with questions from time to time. Okay, cool. So I think this book has been reshaped multiple times uh, in order to allow for a little bit more, um, how do I say, accessible. Because I think the first dummy book that I made was very, very complicated. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of my psyche was reflected into it. It was just pure mess. It mm. was very, very difficult to access it. Uh, it took me roughly two years to kind of like trim it down a little bit mm. and then to put it in a way whereby people can just kind of follow through this journey 
and to make better sense out of it. Mm. Yeah. So I think like the first segment of, of this book, um, I'm just gonna read a little bit. So on the right, maybe like third page or something, it says this is not Donald Duck. Ducks, uh, Donald Duck's color. Donald Duck is not green. Do you want to go for art class? This was what my mom said to me. And on this page, um, there's this little snippet of this Donald Duck whereby I colored it in green crayon. And on the left page, which I wrote in a very childlike manner, it responds. Is it you think I'm lousy? You don't like my Donald Duck? I useless? That's why I need to go for art class? I don't want. I'm not lousy. I don't want to go to art class. I don't like. But this encounter is really interesting because this was how I was thrown into the art world. Mm. And I think this was when I was in K1, K2. That was about four or five years old. Mm. Yeah. How old were you when you wrote the response on the left-hand side? Oh, okay. So with regards to the response, what I did, because of course, I didn't write this down when, when I was like mm-hmm. four or five years old. Mm-hmm. But what I did was to throw myself back into that situation whereby I could clearly remember the incident whereby my mom saw my drawing and then she said, no, this, this is not Donald Duck's colour. So I put myself in that situation in my mental space and then I put myself in my five, four, like four or five year old self mm-hmm. and then these were the memories that came up and mm. then I translated it into text and then that's how you see it in front of you. Very interesting. It's like a time travel, you going back to where, like, yes. four or five years old, having the response that you would at that time. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So I think for the subsequent pages, you get to see a little bit of, of my like first few drawings uh, from the art class. So you get to see like a caterpillar, you get to see this really strange, awkward sunflower. Uh, but there's a little charm to it. This sunflower, it's the petals are so small, but the face of the sunflower is so big. <laughs> and um, around this, so just for the listeners, around this sunflower, there are traces of like pink, blue, and yellow crayon um, around it. So it's not it's not as a happy of a sunflower as you think it is. It, the the first impression they have of it is quite it's quite jarring. Um, it's quite a jarring visceral sensation when you first look at it. Um, I didn't think it was actually a sunflower. It took me a while to realize it was a sunflower. <laughs> what was your initial thought? Uh, a big tree. Um, I wasn't sure what I thought actually, but it was a big tree that I first thought of. Yeah. And then what's this, what's this uh, on the left-hand side that you have on a post-it note? Okay, I'm just going to read. Yes. So uh, there's this pink text which is kind of like typed out. Uh, it says, there's nothing wrong with your crayons, they are correct. Um, and then there's this post-it note, um, it says, why my teacher say my crayon don't work? Still got colour what? I don't understand. The shape also the same. I also paint over, nothing wrong ah. Mummy, you also say I correct, but teacher say no leh. Can you get me a new one please? So this uh, is with regards to my experience of like, the teacher was like clearly angry with me every single week because I brought this like, Crayola kind of like chip crayons mm-hmm. and that's not what my teacher wants because uh, he wants to have this effect whereby you use oil pastel and then you, you draw it on the background if I mm. go to those community classes and then you do watercolour over it so it doesn't like kind of like smudge over yeah. 
So as what I can see from this um, sunflower, you don't like clear see like clear defined lines mm. uh, when you see like the background with like the crayons and stuff like that. So I didn't quite understand what oil pastel is, and I don't see the difference. I tried to explain it to my mom. She just couldn't understand. Mm. So it was only until when I told my mom, yeah, I'm really not not interested. Like the teacher is like. Every week was like, yeah, you're lousy, and then you're like, ah, you you, do, you don't understand and stuff like that, and you're just naughty. Then I was like, uh, I don't want to go for art class. Of course. And then that's when my mom stomped into the class <laughs> the following week, and then she realized, oh, this is oil pastel. And then that's where you find she finally got the proper oil pastel for me, and that is on the front mm. of the of the book la. So you so you would say that the oil pastel is a very integral part of your childhood, and that's why it's at the front of your cover page. Yes, yes. Uh, I think it's a rather iconic object because I think it it was the one that threw me into the art art world and to it's a love hate relationship thing. Mm. Like uh, like the beginning is like no, I just don't want to go for art class. Like what for? I, I don't see the need to. But I think through the exposure to oil pastel that I got introduced into the art world um, through a very unconventional way mm-hmm. and hence the love hate. Mm. Yeah. So drawing was sort of your expression of what was happening in your household. Like you were drawing as a response or were you drawing as a source of comfort? Not quite. I think it was trying to get approval from my mom actually. Because mm-hmm. like the, the first thing which I mentioned earlier was like, oh drawing that's not for me. Can go to art class. Then go to art class. Uh, it's those community classes whereby oh you have to follow what the teacher like draw on the whiteboard and just follow the shape. Mm-hmm. And then you fill out the colors accordingly, and I realized I can do that. So it's it an ability which I can harness when I was a lot younger. And then when my mom says that, yeah, very nice one, mm, very good. Then I was like, yeah, okay, I feel satisfied. Mm, I, you got I, I, I feel like validation, right? Yeah. So if you were to ask me whether it was a way to express myself, I don't think so much about it. Mm. Uh, but definitely there are some drawings whereby I was like, yeah, just messing around, and then expressing myself those are a little bit more rare but I do have more of like those community drawings mm. community class drawings yeah mm. so I just yeah a lot along like the various pages I'll just insert um, what I feel like are appropriate um, old pictures that I have so I think um, the following page is a picture of me with the handlebars kind of like blocking my eyes so in some sense um, there's this sense of lost mm. that I wanted to to introduce and also like my mom beside me and not seeing her face and her shirt, and her shirt says boy London oh dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the subsequent uh, pages are actually fruits, uh, mainly apples, and you can actually get to see like different fruits being painted as apples. How this came about was because I was teaching at NJC as a relief art teacher in 2014. So we were doing a texture class. Uh, each student was given about maybe like five to ten um, petri dishes. And within the petri dish, what happens is that the students are going to collect different kinds of textures, introduce them into the petri dish, and then they consolidate all the studies for textures. Mm. Simple assignment. 
but what happened was that this young MJ student came up to me and then she asked Mr. Lama this texture correct right? this is is, is is this correct is, is mm. it wrong and I was just thinking in my head I was like is there anything wrong with textures even if I mean like if the texture is smooth it is still a texture uh, if it's rough it is also a texture I don't think there is a right or wrong texture so straight away my mind was like thinking oh my god why is this girl so obedient why is she asking for the right answers when there isn't and then all of a sudden I just felt like I can totally relate to her yes. right um, I realised I've been an obedient boy since young and things like that and I'm like I can totally empathise I can see where she's coming from but there's so much more to that and as a result, I created this, this body of work whereby there are so many students who try to be this perfect apple, but clearly, no, it's, you are not an apple. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful message for young aspiring artists who are figuring their way through the creative process. Because yeah. there's a lot of the times when I teach dance as well, there is no right or wrong movement, mm -hmm. but there's only safe movements mm -hmm. and unsafe movements. Right. So unsafe movements where your body feels like it's in danger yeah. or you're risking too much of your, like your capability doesn't match mm. there yet. So may, perhaps we should tone down a little bit and try something a little bit easier. Once you feel that sense of accomplishment, you can try something harder. Mm. Yeah, but I, I think this whole right or wrong conversation is very pervasive. <laughs> To a certain degree within the creative industry because what is exactly right or wrong there isn't a right or wrong it's so subjective um so how would you as a educator or a teacher right mm -hmm. whenever you teach art right. and a student comes up to you and say that there's no right or wrong mm -hmm. what is your what is the thought that you have or what is something that you would say in response I'm thinking about it as I as I recall. Um, I think a lot of the times I, in addition to whatever that you mentioned earlier, one of the most common thing is students coming up to me and say, "Sure, what do you want us to do?" Mm. And that pisses me off so badly because mm. yeah, it's really not about what I want you to do, but rather I want you to be able to express what matters to you the most. Mm. And a lot of my art lessons comes from there first. What matters to you? Uh, understand yourself first before you do anything big or like if you want to talk about oh during then it was like global warming it's so big and stuff it's like the, the hot topic when we were like kids right? Uh, but why? Why global warming? How does it even got jack shit to do with you? It doesn't. So that's where I begin to, to ask students okay what matters to you and some of them say very simple things like SBS bus. It's like, oh, okay, you like SBS bus, what, what about it? And then they're just obsessed about it. And I was like, yes, yes, go for it, okay? Um, if you love SBS bus, go do a study on SBS bus. <laughs> Enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, be in your body, be present. I think that is where the uniqueness of the individual comes up. Mm -hmm. And the authenticity is so important with regards to an artist. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of students don't see it. They just think that producing pretty good images are good enough that is the main purpose of art but it's so much more complex it's so much deeper and I know and I see that there are a lot of artists out there who are suffering from this issue totally relatable yes even in the dance as well hmm. 
what does it mean to produce a good choreography? Which is a question we ask ourselves a lot. Mm-hmm. What consists of a good choreography? Mm-hmm. If does a good choreography means to somebody can be very different, perceived with a different set of eyes, right? With a different set of thoughts. So how can you please everybody? That's not that's not our goal. Our goal is not to please everybody, but it's to provoke thought. Is to show a part of ourselves that we want to express and want to explore because ultimately it's an exploration of the human journey, right? So how do we take a part of ourselves to explore and share it as a gift with our students but also giving them that freedom to let them explore whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think what I mentioned is really powerful which is a safe space and it's very very important to establish that Mm. in a classroom so that they know that it is okay to fall, it is okay to stumble, uh, it is okay to fail. Mm. I think a lot of Singaporean students are stuck in the fear of failure mindset. Mm. Why do you think so? I think um, there's a lot of expectations when it comes to studying in Singapore, definitely. Uh, It doesn't help whereby, because I teach in secondary schools, and I just feel like there's so much to cram into the student's mind. There's not enough time. The teachers are just like constantly like competing with other teachers like yeah i need these students to like do this 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 homework so students these days they end classes at three right they are cca till seven at seven after that you have your homework where are they gonna have the time to spend with themselves no they're always bombarded with like okay i got this test i got that homework okay i need to make sure that i don't fail um all of that are all the all the metrics in order to see how how to say how proficient you mm-hmm. are and a lot of the times they assume their identity to that so that becomes problematic how then can I help students and I think that's where during my art class I, I tell them you know what just put all this aside yep. um, is there something that matters to you let's do something about that let's explore that okay mm-hmm. then I made an assurance okay look what uh, look, at, look at this I promise you all of you guys are going to do fine Okay, as long as you do what matters to you. Mm, that's a powerful last statement. Yeah. I think any teacher is lucky to have, uh, any student is lucky to have you as a teacher, really. Because mm. that's, like, I find that how we ourselves explore art is also a translation of how we share it with our students. Because there is a certain degree of, like, okay, if a creative approaches it in a very, like, black or white manner what the students will most likely create is also probably black or white but we both know that it's not there's all shades of colors in in between right so how how can we celebrate those in-betweens for their individuality for their own explorations while still guiding them towards finding what matters to them what is their unique voice what how do they want to explore why do they want to explore? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like we're kind of like coaches in a way, yeah. yeah. Which is funny. I'll I'll get, I'll get to that in a bit about the coaching <laughs> part. I'll get to that. Yes. Okay. Maybe we can move on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Move on. Uh, th- there's a test script which I kind <laughs> of put it behind because it's really really funny and it talks about education. So I'm a holder of test scripts. I have my test script from like I think this is like primary five science or something. Oh, wow. So it's like, uh, look at the picture below, there are like four different apples, and then it just says like, apples in the market can be classified according to their shape, 
size, color, quality, blah blah blah, and then um, my answer is four. Of course, I got it correct. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, I think this nicely packs up the the entire uh, Apple series. Mm. Yeah, and then we have some report book. Uh, I scored all A's, of course. Brilliant student, first in class in primary two. Um, what else do we have? I have a question about ah, the yes. report book. Yeah. So, what do you hope the report book to represent? I think, okay, so basically this book, it's like, it's a way for me to unpack my childhood. Um, and studies was a very huge part of my childhood, even though I don't like it. Mm. Um, so, in some sense, all these different chapters allows me to dig deeper and having this report book is some somewhat like, like a checkpoint mm. so at this age I have all these metrics um, I kind of like pin my identity to these metrics mm-hmm. um, so if it's all A's like yes I'm a good kid you know make that wonderful ace mm. I never got full A's in my report book I'm just saying this is this is this is great like the best you can get out of me is a B <laughs> best B for best. B for best. Oh, thank you! Oh, so positive. I love it. Okay, okay, okay. And this is a Chinese storytelling competition. Mm, yeah, I kind of got forced into that one too. But, <laughs> 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 but my mom said, yeah, you know, it's, it's for your own good, you know, it's like to, uh, to be outspoken and everything. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> I'll buy that? Oh, okay, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try, I'll, I'll try. Yes, I'll, I'll try. try. Mm. So uh, I think for this storytelling competition in Chinese. It's like, I hate Chinese, but... but okay, let's, let's go. Um, I was telling this, like, Sanzi小猪. Which means three little pigs. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't understand Chinese, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a very painful time. But yes, I, I think I've learned uh, a lot about confidence. Mm. And I learned this unique skill about whenever I'm on stage, I could put on this persona and I feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, in some sense, it was also a little bit of my escape because it was just horrendous at home with the constant canings and everything. Um, so I think that gave me this persona whereby I could feel safe. Mm. Yeah, so drama was a thing. Uh, in my early primary school kind of like era. Yeah. Were you in the drama school like CCA or activity? What was your CCA in school back then? Okay, so I think... Um, primary 1, 2, 3, there's no real CCA, but yep. I think it's just entering these competitions for like drama. Mm. And it taught me how to kind of vocalize my voice, uh, to bring it out, and to, in some sense, be able to have more control of it. So I'm very thankful for that experience, definitely. Mm. Uh, it's helped me in so many different ways. Um, but as I proceed on, I think primary 3 was, I was in robotics. <laughs> so mm. geeky. I, I was like, yeah, I love robots. But then I was like, I don't know how to code or anything. It's like I don't understand. It's like how to tell the robot to like turn left and right. I, I just don't. Uh, I only know how to press the switch on and off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm done with robotics. After that one year, I was like, nope, no, no more. N- not for me. And then primary mm. four, it was like bowling, because somehow. Wow. I was yeah. I was just taught that oh, if your parents are good at something, then you'll be good at something too. So, <laughs> so my dad was really good at bowling. He was kick ass bowl, bowler. Okay. Yeah. So um, I went to bowling. I enjoyed like the sessions, but I spent more time with my family bowling. It becomes so pressurizing. 
my dad's really good and then my mom is like no you you twist your hand here you twist your hand there I was like no I, I, I don't understand what you're talking about and then I just get I just get trashed every single time so I just kind of feel demoralised mm. um, so bowling didn't stick too long but I do know the basics of it mm. I do enjoy just bowling on my own sometimes yep. um, but the pressure kind of kills it and then I think five primary five and six was chess yeah I just found it really really interesting uh, to just like play with the board and then you play with your friends mm-hmm. it's a little bit more chill so I think that, that was kind of fun but I think uh, not so fun when I have to like learn like the actual steps yeah. and the openings and everything but uh, yeah I think that is my primary school journey in terms of CCA. very nice so you were mentioning that drama gave you a form of escape yeah how how could you guide us through on how that experience is like for you um, the escape part because I'm able to assume a character so that brought me distance mm. a distance from myself and dr- when I'm in another person's shoes I feel like I could feel a lot more mm. yeah so all of a sudden there's this place whereby oh yeah there's not so much of expectations of who you're supposed to be but rather who you can be and that was freeing it gives us a sense of empathy as well, putting mm. ourselves literally in someone's person's shoes, yeah. understanding their backstory or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And how that character relates to other characters within mm. the play. Yeah, I took drama for a brief period of time, and it actually it taught me a lot about empathy, empathizing with other Definitely. people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is young Quinn and Daddy Specs. Is that Specs? Uh, yeah, Specs. I think with no no glass, it's just like frame. So cute, so cute. You, you, you look so studious. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> I'm not so studious. <laughs> but yeah. Mm. Mm, yes. So we are actually entering into like the second um, chapter mm. almost. And what you see on the right side is actually me holding this contraption. And this contraption is it looks like a fishing rod, but if you take closer inspection, it is actually made from a cane. Now that you mentioned it, now I'm I'm actually uh, seeing it. Oh. This is that's why this book takes a while to unpack. Ah, oh, wow! It's like little Easter eggs, <laughs> <laughs> like like little Easter eggs, like the, like like you just you, you really need to look at it in order to understand. Wow, yeah. damn! Why is the cane like a fishing rod? What's the, what's the? Uh, so if you flip across, mm-hmm. here, um, there's an image of my drawing, uh, with. A mouse kind of like fishing for a fish with its uh, tail with its tail uh, and the subsequent pages are basically my rewards so it, it looks really fuzzy it looks like it's moving uh, but there are just different rewards that I have kind of like received for either being good mm. or uh, being who I was supposed to be or like great results so I think like the, on the on the first uh, object is a kind of like it's quite fuzzy. Mm. Uh, I'm just gonna reveal it. It's actually a Game Boy. I I can I can't tell that it's a Game Boy. Yeah. Okay. It's a Game Boy. You can see like the little like, red LED. Oh right. Yeah. Yes. So for this Game Boy, I got it when I was in primary two. So mm. like the report card that you kind of like see before that with all this is this was the result for that. Oh wow. So my mom will always motivate me and saying that, oh, if you want something, you just do great in your results. I'll get you whatever you want. 
And during that, I got myself a Game Boy with the game. Uh, I still remember it's Pokemon Silver. Love that game. It's such a it's such an OG game. It's OG. It's OG. It's the the oh, oh my god! god. Uh, what was your favorite soundtrack of the Pokemon Silver? Something, something like that. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the Elite Four or towards Elite Four? Towards Elite Four. Towards Elite Four. It's okay. towards Elite Four. So we're just geeking out Pokemon, but okay, okay yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, and what's this on the left hand side? Beast Wars. So that's uh, Megatron. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the right is uh, Digimon. Mm-hmm. Uh, left Ultraman. Right Power Rangers. Left Mask Riders. On the right Tamiyakas. Um, left again Gundam. I, I love robots. Mm. Uh, on the right is uh, Megazord. Power Rangers. Love Power Rangers. Um, Bomberman. Gundam. So you can clearly see. Yeah. Is there a reason why these rewards are blurred? Or fuzzy. Why? Why is it not clear? I mean, some of it's really clear. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the robots. If you even if you shake it, I can still see like the yeah. structure of a robot. But there's some like the Game Boy. Yeah. Y- you can't tell that it's a Game Boy. Mm, my way. How do I say? I, I guess I wouldn't want to reveal it too much, but I just want you to feel the images. I see. Yeah. So so. If you were to ever get this book, just feel mm-hmm. the images, see what you can get out of it. Mm. And um, I think it's it's the expression and yeah, the, the, the feeling is just more important than me telling you what it's all about. So nice. Feel it. Yes, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, boss. I will feel it. Okay. Yes. yes, his his book is on sale by the way. I will put the link in the show notes. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. Alright. How old were you in this photo? Uh, this one, okay, so this was taken at uh, Suntech. There was this Zen garden during then. Mm. Um, how old? Maybe primary, primary school, I think. Yeah, it's, it's funny how like a lot of my friends or like people who buy my books, they say, like, yeah, your mom looks really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting comments. <laughs> Is it because of the way she's dressed? Like Maybe, I think they're just thinking, like, yeah, she actually looks uh, quite good. She, she does look good, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie, she does look good, but that's a very interesting first comment. Um, yes. Okay, because mm-hmm. my first com- like my first one when I saw this, oh, Quinn looks very cute, he looks very nicely dressed, mm-hmm. in, like a, in like a denim jacket, mm-hmm. yeah. Also because I can see your eyes and I can't see your mom's eyes, your mom's right. eyes are censored for a mm-hmm. reason, yeah. yeah. Um, so. But I think I can share a little bit more about my feelings when I was taking this sure. photo. This, just, just like a sex track, I don't think I was feeling too happy during then. But then I was kind of like forced to have a smile. What, could you remember why you were not? I think it was after a meal at Suntech. And then suddenly, just somehow I just was feeling off. Uh, mm. Just not like feeling wonderful. But my mom wants a picture together. And I was just like forced to like take this picture. Like, okay. Okay. Smile right. I a lot of kids can relate to that. A lot of yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's like it's for example like the kids are in the mood and they don't yeah. want to take a photo. Yeah. But then if we, you know, pressure them enough yeah. to take a photo, they will have to smile. Yeah. I totally get it. It's it's the it's the act of performance really. Yeah. Yes. In this case. Hmm. Okay. So funny, like next page is uh me in my uniform with an with a star cake. <laughs> so the star cake is basically the 
how do I say like like the wish and the expectation of like doing grades mm. uh, do, doing grades in, in my, my studies yeah so that, that was the motivation for my mum getting a kid mm. um, but this time around I think in primary primary six yeah you get to see my report card that not everything is A I do have some stuff that's A but um, like those that are not too good I get like um, I, I kind of like cancel yeah is there a reason why you've cancelled it? Mm, I just feel like it's it's not what I want. Okay. So as we flip more, and then I think it translates into the next chapter, which deals with like my fear of the cane. So a lot of it is motivated because just cane nonstop. I'm like I had enough. Of it's course. Like, yeah. No, I just don't want. Right. So there's this fear segment that comes to it. Mm. Um. So I made use of this like. Um, exam script um, there's a question that says the picture above shows that no show show that the force can blank 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 um, and my answer is move a stationary object and that was what I feel about it and hence I actually added um, this caning segment into the test script um, to kind of show this relationship of like before and after mm. it's very visceral when you when, when you actually look at it dang and then um, the next question is, which one of the following actions will slow down the depletion of natural resources and then protecting our rainforest, right? Mm. So is there a reason? Oh, so you just sort of took these two questions and then just... I, I, I think I just took the entire page of like the test script. I see. Yeah, and, then and I just kind of like wanted to focus on the, um, the, the fourth Yes, segment. yes. Yeah. Damn, that's actually quite powerful. So the subsequent pages are basically me getting hit at every single stroke. Um, this work is called More Than Red Lines. It's actually a performative piece whereby I put my hand out for 10 minutes and then just let uh, a performer to continuously like whack me for the 10 minutes. And my intention was to actually to confront this fear and to feel for myself once again what it is like to feel this pain mm. and what can come out from this entire situation so I, I in, in some sense this is where I begin to branch into the more performative act of creating an image mm. uh, because I do enjoy works that gives me feedback and allows me to grow from that process mm. yeah so more than read lines I think it's a rather powerful work for me mm. uh, because it allows me to see certain things and uh, maybe I'll just share a little bit more later on so what you see in the book is basically like almost like a screen capture of that each and every stroke that I got hit with. Mm. I noted in my research yeah. that you have a certain I would fascination is not the right word, but you have a relationship with the Buddha. Right. And there was uh, when I was scrolling through your website, yeah. this sentence um, jumped out at me. You said the laughing Buddha has been a symbol of hope and happiness since I was a child. Mm -hmm. Whenever I was sad or angry, I would confide in this one meter tall laughing Buddha, calling him Gong Gong. Mm. Could you unpack that for us? Why, like, is there a reason why you call him Gong Gong? Yes. Okay. So, um, this laughing Buddha is not really about, like, my religion as, as a Buddhist and stuff like that. It's mm. not like, like a religious figure, but rather it was because of the absence of my father, uh, where 
three years old. So they brought him down and put him in a three years old timeline. Uh, my dad would always have to go to work, and I don't understand the concept of work. And I was like, why are you leaving me? I abandoned. Uh, and then it was during then I would start crying. I couldn't stop. Mm. Uh, I just feel like I just need some figure to be there for me. And while I'm wailing and crying, and my mom just couldn't control it, and then that's where she kind of begins to lash out. So she would take a cane up. And I needed a source of comfort. Mm. The only person that is smiling in the house and resembles my dad is this one meter tall figure. So if you flip like much later into the book, I do have a picture of it. So you get to see this black uh, laughing Buddha that is the size of me when mm. I was three years old. So he was my uh, muse. He was mm. my friend. Uh, he was my Kong Kong. Mm. So sometimes I'll just feed him with water. It's like, hello, drink water. And then I'll, and then I'll like give him a hug. And then he's always smiling. I'm like, yeah, I want to be this dude. This dude is cool. <laughs> this dude's always smiling yeah, no matter like, what happens. It's like, yeah, man. Koko <laughs> <laughs> is always smiling. Oh, wow. I'm going to be strong. Mm, okay. And then if I could expand upon that, yeah. right? The next sentence which jumped out at me was, now, having grown older, yeah. I recognize the need to dissolve this safe haven I have created for myself. Yeah. The self-defense mechanism is no longer adequate in solving the conflicts that arises at my current stage in life. Yes. When all the sending has been done and the prison returns to the source, would I b- truly be able to move on and be free? Yeah. So at what age did you realize that you wanted to make this change or decision? It was during university time. So as I begin to unpack about my own traumas, and how that affected me, I dig into the different memories that I could kind of like pick up. And one of the memories was my over-reliance on this smile that I had. So a lot of the times, I, I my friends would kind of tell mm. me like, hey Quinn, you are very mysterious, you always have this smile, you're very happy, but you don't know like what's deep, deep, deep yeah. or inside and how you feel. And, and that made me question like, oh, am I? Right? And why do I always have this veil in front of me? Mm. So that's where I begin to realize, oh, okay, I think this is a coping mechanism because I do not have the tool to kind of like be able to sit with uncomfortable feelings, anger. I couldn't express that as a child. Sadness, I cannot express that. Those are bad emotions, bad. And I can only show the good side. So understanding that, hey, only show happy is only like a segment of me. And I'm not able to feel my other side. And that's problematic. Hence, I just feel like there's this veil of like, oh, 100% happy. Mm. Um, but then it um, imp- imprisons me and not allow me to feel more than what I should feel. Hence, the Sending Buddha project whereby I need to send this space off in hopes, or rather, it's, it's not in hopes, but rather in acknowledgement mm. that I will want to go into a direction whereby it's a lot more whole. Do you feel like you have taken progress, or how how where are you at from this realization mm-hmm. and through your self development work? Yeah. Right, how many steps have you say you would have progressed? Two steps, three steps, whatever mm. that might be. Okay, so I think I can safely say that I'm actually very far removed from this book. Mm. Like very very far. Uh, I I don't feel 
as trapped as I was or as lost as I was when I was compiling this book. Mm. I think this book was was a great book in allowing me to be more aware about the conditions that I had in that that kind of imposed onto me. Mm. So gaining awareness is one thing. I don't know how to solve the problem. <laughs> so I, I was hoping this book could help me solve the problem. Hence I throw myself into different situations. Mm. Alright, feel all those feelings and then it brought me to places. Um but that was all this book had done. Right? Uh it was I think a couple of years later, I think in twenty nineteen, whereby I begin to I, I meet someone who mm. pointed me to a direction to do like a self development work. Yep. Um I was with Live Your Mark and then we did things called process work. I'm, I cannot share too much with regards to what are the contents of it. Um, but rather, I think at the end of this workshop, what it enabled me to do was to be a more a whole once again. It's a very intensive workshop, um, but this capability to engage my emotional body becomes so much stronger. I could feel, I could cry. Before that, I couldn't cry, I couldn't get angry. Or rather, my anger comes in like a volcano. It kind of like stacks up. You're like, repress, 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 and then suddenly, boom, right? You boom already, then the, the same pattern comes back again, whereby you're not able to feel the emotions when you need them. And I think after this workshop, I was uh, a lot more grounded, I was a lot clearer, I could feel myself. I think like for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be human. Right? Because you've explored other parts that you that correct. was tabooed for you previously. Correct, yeah. correct, correct. And I, I think it also reminded me of a time whereby a friend of mine was telling someone else mm. that, you know what, Quinn feels like a robot. Mm. Uh, and I, now that we talk about it, I do have this fascina- fascination with robots. <laughs> it all links! <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I, I, I see it now. Like in this podcast, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, robots, interesting. Okay, it yeah. links. It, it links, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, Self-development work, feeling myself, I think mm. that, that's the big component to it. Very, very, yeah, very interesting. So if I can just like sort of breeze through the next few parts of yeah. the book, right? So within these screen captures of the hand getting caned, yep. and um, and then there's again the laughing Buddha, and then there's more caning, yep. um, and then there is you in a little Spider-Man costume, mm. super cute. And this is a a face of whom? A I think my mom. Okay. I think, I think. So made ma- made out of different colors of rope, yep. basically. Um, and then this oh my god, Hamtaro. Hamtaro. Oh my god, Hamtaro just throws me back. Okay. And then so could you explain the one on the right hand side? Mm, uh, this is one of the few drawings that I have. Uh, that was drawn out of curiosity or rather more of expression. Mm. Um, this is a mask. I think it has something to, to do with leopards. Somehow I have this fascination with leopards. Um, but this leopard is not just an ordinary leopard. It also consists of many different colours. Mm. I'm a kid that loves multiple colours. Like, the more colourful, the better. And hence, like, this book kind of revisits into that quality whereby you just find this book super, super colourful, mm. super, super bright. But if you would sense it, it's a little bit dark. Yes. There's on, a dark undertone to it. Yeah. A dark undertone to it, right? So, um, this this segment of like uh, the faces and the mask mm. and the Buddha and stuff like that, it really talks about these defense mechanisms that 
I grew up with mm. uh, since the age of three until like primary school, secondary school. I was a little bit more aware of JC, but I didn't have the me- mental capacity to explore it as an op- as, as, as a subject. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And it only unlocked itself in university, and then I began to look at all these different masks that I kind of like create with the AS. So flip, okay, you get to see me with a pacifier around my neck and you see me um, with like these beady eyes and like a one-line smile. Yes. So this was because my mom was like caning me or scolding me and then she said, I'm going to humiliate you by taking a picture of you. And then <laughs> she took out a camera and I was like, what's going on? Am I supposed to smile so you can see like this half smile, not smile kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, I feel conflicted looking at this photo. I'm not yes. sure how to feel. Okay. Yeah. So th- that's that's part of like the, the mask thing that, that mm. comes in. Yeah. So more images. Oh, this part of the book is actually very interesting. I think we're going into that phase of the book. Mm. Yes. Okay. Okay, so before before you flip, okay, I know I know you wanna flip, but before you flip, so um in this in this particular uh section of the book yes. is where Quinn sort of um okay I don't know maybe you can share more more mm-hmm. upon uh-huh. upon it but I wanna read what is on the book because it's very very cute um so you said that I want to be happy I want many colors I want love. I want to have girlfriend to love me. I want to be happy. I want to fly to the moon with my girlfriend. If you can do that, that girl is very lucky. Okay, and I want to live happily ever after. So, and there is a picture of, I guess, yourself and a tiny cubby with a rocking chair and rocking horse riding through the galaxy. Um, could you expand more on this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the innocence of it, or rather the sincerity that comes with this it's so, creation. It's, 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 so, it's so innocent, it's very pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think like this image, uh, so I'm the guy in yellow uh, with the red hair, I don't know mm. why red hair. Uh, but I love green colours, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to ride a green horse, so let's let's make that. And then um, during then, Teletubby uh, was showing. Yes. Um, there is like Tinky Winky, Dipsy, Lala and Co. And somehow like, yeah, I would love Poe to be my girlfriend. <laughs> so, so you take a pic of the Teletubbies. <laughs> yeah, so I like Poe is the one. <laughs> she's the cutest. You chosen. chosen. So you're my she, girlfriend. She's the tiniest one too. Yes, she's tiny. Oh. I, I was a small kid. Oh, yeah, you so, wanted a yeah, yeah, like it's, it's all some alignment. <laughs> yeah. So, so thinking with this too tall guy, uh, Lala is a bit too like 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 tomboy. I so get like, it. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I couldn't. So. Oh my god, it's so. Funny. So that was my thought process. So in, in this image, you get to see many different colors, which mm. I love colors, uh, and it's shining brightly. So like I love things that are like oh, boom, it's like bright, right? And um, yeah. And so so I think that that was a very festive uh, mood, and I kind of enjoy this drawing quite a lot. Interesting. Very yeah. It's it's very innocent. Like like when when I when I flip to this part of the book. I had a preview during the Lito book launch with Dan and you brought your book along just to yeah. share. I remember just smiling at this page when I first <laughs> read it. And my I'm like, I want my girlfriend to fly. I want I want to fly to the moon. It's so cute. Like, oh and yeah, was there was it was it was there a phase like was this a phase where you started becoming interested in girls or was it just a pure innocence like I think 
maybe pure innocence and maybe I wanted a companion. Mm. Yeah, because it just feels so alone at home. You know, like three years old, this house uh, just feels like concentration camp. Uh, cleaning every single yes. day. And then the food, uh, every single day is loba with rice. Loba with, with rice. rice. And every single day is just the same. So it's like soy sauce, meat, and rice, and nothing else. And then it comes in seasons. Mm. So like after like maybe half a year, then change to fish. Then the fish will continue for like the half a year. <laughs> oh my god, kill me. Skipping a few, yeah. um, but we are getting to this page with your dad. Mm. Um, and you are on a carousel, and you look really happy. Yeah, my dad was like a hero to me, man. I was like, ah, that's cool. Mm. And then um, we, we move on to more pictures of your dad. I love mm. his smile, by the way. Mm. Um, and then you're, and you're just saying, bye, 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 papa, bye, 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 bye. So yeah. what's this? So that is basically about... Um, because my dad goes to work every single morning and mm-hmm. then he will um so my house has this like sort of like this little extension whereby um how do i say like a balcony of mm-hmm. sorts right so i would see my dad walk across to another hdb whereby he'll park his car there and then he'll go to work so every morning i'll like just scream bye 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 from the from the fourth floor i was staying mm-hmm. on the fourth floor then he'll be walking on the on the ground floor mm-hmm. and then he'll like wave by so that was my daily ritual and then after that, I'll be so, like, so sad, oh no, that's gone, and I start crying, and then that's when my mom will come in, and then destroy me upside down, and then I will go and sit comfort with my gong gong. <laughs> so, every day routine, yeah. Uh, and funnily enough, I'm on the page with your gong gong, yes. and um, it's just you squatting, yeah, smiling, you were pooping, the diaper pooping. looks heavy. Yes. Yes, okay. And then we have more sending Buddha um, pictures. More pictures of you trying to send the Buddha. Uh, even more pictures of you trying to send the Buddha. Yeah. So this is a, a performative piece. I videoed it down. Uh-huh. So that's the original form, whereby it was a 13-hour long uh, process of sending its face down. Dang. Yes. 13 uh, hours. Yeah. Uh, through this video, I took different angles of it. I did a time-lapse of it. So what you guys are actually looking into the book is actually the every like every single time lapse image, uh, or rather this is actually a summary <laughs> of the time lapse yes. that was present for the thirteen hour mm. long process. Mm. Yeah, what's funny about the Buddha was like at the end of it you don't see its eyes, but you see that he has this bigger smile, and that kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was like alone in the studio like sending his face off for like thirteen hours, and. He greets me with this spooky smile, almost as if it's in, in a mocking manner. It's like, oh, you think you can get out of this? <laughs> oh, oh, you think you're done? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you foolish child. <laughs> I'm like, oh, snap. You're like, oh, what have I done? It's, it's like, I just want to paint a picture, right, for our listeners who may not have the book. The Buddha is there, like like the like, like the figure and the face of the sh- the head, uh, the shape of the head. You don't see his eyes, but it's just an orifice or a crevice in its face, which clearly resembles the mouth. And the mouth is like neither smiling nor is it like it's in a very interesting. What was what what expression would you call it? Mocking. <laughs> that, that's my tea line. That's <laughs> your tea line. Your, your thought is it's mocking me. And the feeling is like you're being mocked. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just it's just a crevice of a hole. Like, it's, it's just a hole. It's, it's a lot wider than its original smile. Yes. 
um it's like those bogey smile you know like got no teeth one. Oh yeah yeah it's like those old grandpas yes. with no teeth yes well with no hair of course yeah and um very very fulfilled uh big belly and stuff like that that's actually pretty freaky so what time did you finish this sunday at night 11 30 or 12 almost not the thing you want to see after you oh, sleep no, at no. no 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> no. oh my god what did you see i saw the boogeyman oh okay and then from this sending buddha we transit into the underwater we see octopuses of very various colors again very very colorful and this is a picture of my parents at mm. their workspace so i think this segment or this chapter begins to look into because I do understand that oh, I'm just coming from all within and stuff like that. I just feel very ungrounded, right? I, wa- I wanted to see a little bit more of like the truth that exists around me. And I realized I didn't give my parents enough space or like rather space of, of understanding them, mm. right? So I took this chance to like, okay, what did they do? I think that is something which I could, I could kind of like work with to see them physically at how they spend time, where they spend time at. Mm. In some sense, it's a little bit more research. I said, okay, let's let's start with that first. Simple. Mm. So I went to shoot them at their workspace, whereby their canteen vendors at school. Uh, I went to shoot them. They do like to go to East Coast Park to eat at the lagoon. Um, I shot them at home. Like my dad would be on his massage chair. My mom would be like sitting at the dining table, either doing accounting or she like just lie down on the sofa. Mm. So that's more of an understanding that. What's interesting about this is that I kind of like wipe out their face. Yes. So I use uh, flash to kind of like flash their, their yes. face out. You don't see the facial features. Um, that, that I wanted to show this relationship but I just still couldn't see them eye to eye. I still couldn't see them as equals. I couldn't um, talk to them in a, in a, in a way whereby I just feel like the dynamic is a little bit more even. Mm. Yeah. So I think that was where I'm coming from when I kind of like blast their face. They're like this godly figure where I cannot talk to them. And only they can dissent um, this wisdom to me. Mm. And somehow, just sometimes I just couldn't like, accept this wisdom. I think it's I think it's just this tradition, like like a is patriarchy the right word? Where where the the elders usually have this sort of wisdom that mm. needs to be passed down to the younger generation. And so you have to listen. You have to listen, right? And like whatever I speak, you need to listen, right? I feel like the the current generation was shifting i see family dynamics and family cultures shifting now where the ch- child can challenge the parents and it's okay to challenge the parents mm. yeah the more i do my self-development work the more i realize i don't need anyone's fucking permission i just need my own permission yeah which is easier said than done we have to come we have come to the the last page of the book and it's a picture of you and my mom very interesting because you started off with covering their eyes blanking out their faces why the revelation mm. so I, I think it falls in with regards to my development work so i think in um because this the dummy the first version of this book was mm. completed in 2018 during then i was still in the hot mess whereby understanding my dynamic at home and my dynamic with, with my relationship myself. Um, so this original image was actually had the, the, the eyes blank right? But because I did my development work in 2019, 
and this book was published in 2020, I begin to open up. Mm. And I think this is where I want uh, the opportunity whereby I'm able to, to have a conversation with my mom. And slowly, so after my development work and stuff like that, what happened was that I could begin to ask my mom out on dates, I can talk to her, I can play mahjong with her, cook with her and stuff like that. So there, there's definitely a lot more openness in this uh, dynamic that I have with my mom currently. Mm. And I wanted to reflect that uh, in at least on the last page of this book to kind of like chart the direction forward. Mm. My heart feels so warm when I look at this last page because it's the first time I'm actually seeing your parents in the eye in a way right like the viewers are looking at your parents in the eye where previously we want to but you're like you're like censoring mm. yeah and, yeah and self-development work is a very interesting inner process is it is like excavating the really deepest part out of us and sort of really confronting it I remember Dan saying like whatever you're afraid of you need you need mm. you, you, you need to confront in and look it in its face Right, it's like a scary animal, but you have to look at it in its face and acknowledge its presence. Only then will it dispel and will yep. it like go away. So, your relation. How would you describe your relationship with your mom now? Now, um, she definitely triggers me a lot, lot less. I mean, like mm. uh, when this book was creating, I couldn't stand the sight of her. Mm. I would need to go into my own little room and I'll hide there from morning till night. So I was like, um, like like a closet. Mm. Mm. Um, but, but I think after the de- development work, it, it's not an overnight thing, yeah. right? Um, so after my workshop and stuff like that, uh, even though a lot of my luggage is off mm. my shoulders, um, it took a while before I begin to open up to my mom. So I think uh, we, in some sense, we do need to be patient and allow the, the situation or how, in, in some sense, to see how life kind of unfolds itself. Mm. But that being said, uh, work needs to be done, and we need to put in the work first. Yes. Yeah. So I think the the changing point uh, was when I asked my mom out on a date. It's like, hey, you know, can we go out to a cafe? Sit back and just talk. And then I think ever since that, um, then things were a lot more smooth after that. Mm. Yeah. I'm very I'm very happy for you that it has gotten to this. Yeah to this stage yeah very very yeah very proud of you in that it's your third edition oh this is still the first this is still the first edition of the book yeah right okay if you could change a single page what would you change i wouldn't change it okay it's i i I just see that this book is done deal it was done in a time whereby i was trying to understand myself better to have Mm. more awareness i think that's all it is to this book um Mm. i wouldn't change do you have a favorite part of the book? I think the apple thing spoke out to me the most. So the apple page whereby you get to see shipments of, of apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can play this like little Waldo game where it's oh this 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 a pet and then uh, oh this papaya and then uh, Yes, yes, yes. We, we we were trying to figure out the different fruits because we, we were saying like, oh, they're all apples. And then one of us pointed out, it's not all apples. Look at this. It's a pear. So yeah. that struck out to us quite a yeah. lot. Yeah. So mm, I think this was the entry point 
as to how I began to dug deeper into my own trauma and not kind of like put the blame on the education system because the education system does perpetuate such thought yes but it doesn't make you that mm. right what made you was your experiences even even way before that and, and I think childhood is such an important important time for everyone because really shapes who you are as you grow up mm. is that what you think guides your art making what guides my art making what guides my art making I think in, in some sense yes yes uh, like the topics that I deal with mainly deals with trauma healing self-discovery mm. um, I think uh, more lately it's with regards to maybe like the human condition with regards to healing mm. um, so it has always been dealing with those realms yeah you started yeah. off with recognizing or acknowledging your traumas and then moving on to this journey of like healing through yep. the trauma the traumas then yeah. like once you heal your trauma already then what yeah right? exactly right yes. then then what then what is the it's, it's the question that is you know we yeah. can always explore towards Correct. what has so throughout your art making journey what was your favorite failure favorite failure favorite i I know I addressed the fear of failure part, so I'm not sure whether that's my favorite failure. Mm-hmm. My favorite failures. When I think about favorite failures, I think about happy accidents. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very common in art practice, and uh, especially as one uh, who uses performance as as a medium. Happy accidents. I think there are multiple, but I think it's not really art making during like the art making process mm, per se. Mm, mm. Um, but more of what I see around me. So the the way I get ideas is very funny. I'll I'll like, mm. okay, open my mind, and then no ideas right now. Mind, okay, go out have a walk. Then I'll go out have a walk and access this this wisdom that I see around me. Mm. And I think one that pops up into my head right now is this accident of seeing this boy. Uh, I was at the Botanic Gardens, sitting down in front of the pond. There were a couple of like people around me doing their thing, and then saw this little boy. And this boy was chasing a pigeon. The pigeon is not flying. <laughs> it's like it's just like hop, hopping around. And then the, the boy was like chasing after it, and then he shouts, um, "I want to make the pigeon feel better." And then the dad says, "Stop chasing the pigeon." <laughs> but the boy was like, "I want to make the pigeon feel better." But what's happening is that the dad acknowledges that, hey, this pigeon is injured, it cannot fly. Mm-hmm. But the boy is chasing the pigeon, which makes it even more frantic. So is the boy helping it or not? So it was pockets of moments like this that I kind of like saw in, in life. And it just tells me like, um, while you may have good intentions, it may not be the best for the person. I think that also boils down into coaching as to I think what I think we do understand on, on a very personal level and what our Dan Lao Tzu will always say like only when the person asks for coaching then you coach mm-hmm. it's one of those, those first principles otherwise don't yes because not everyone is ready not yeah. everyone is ready for that thrust of self-discovery right it mm. takes some time 
and make sure you have the emotional maturity and the mental capacity to be able to handle it. Because right. if you get thrown in too early, you're not ready, it can send you down a downward spiral and it's really not. That's going to traumatize you. Yeah, it's going to traumatize you when it's really not the best. Yeah. yeah and I, uh, in some sense, I also learned it the hard way because before I did any self-development mm. work, I was meddling with all of this concepts. Oh, confrontation. Confrontation is great. And I expected a lot of my friends to confront. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> some of them bite back. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's, it's like, it's like, if you poke the lion enough, yes. it will bite you, right? Because yes. it's, it's, it's agitated, it's frustrated, yep. or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. The topic of coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can jump into a little bit of our own personal coaching experience, Daspa. Mm. I know that we have been, like, sharing off, you know, outside of this, yep. like, what our experience has been coaching other people, and mm. what have we learned through the coaching process. Um... So what has been the most impactful lesson or concept you have tucked away into your arsenal for the coaching part? The coaching part, uh, I think it's really the model about the CTFAR, how it transits from the unintentional model into the intentional model. Mm. Uh, what's so important and powerful about this is that through my art making process, I understand the importance of confrontation, which is to lean into the uncomfortable or the discomfort so that you can access this knowledge, understand it, heal it, mm. then there is a certain output or feedback, right? But that, if you continue, if you continuously go into that, and whereby you just stuck in your unintentional model, it is a very dangerous thing because it brings you to dark places. Yeah. So I, I in some sense, you might throw holy water. Mm. Yeah. And I think I did feel that as I progressed into more of like my art practice without the proper help and therefore self-development is very very important right um so i think what a lot of artists lacks is the intentional model unable to transit if you're lucky you can use your art practice to do a performance do whatsoever yes. like process or to put yourself yes. in situations such that bam okay you switch into the Yes. into the intentional model but yes. that doesn't happen by chance it is a constructed uh, experience right so having to understand CTFAR and into the intentional model I was like this is what I was lacking mm-hmm. this was what I was lacking and it will save so many artists it will save so many individuals it doesn't have to be art it can be creative whatsoever any human being in the world if you know how to transit into the intentional model okay, you will experience deep side and then your understanding of the entire situation becomes a lot more holistic a lot more complex you're able to deal with dualities and it's not so one-dimensional what we talked about this before and I think that is very powerful mm. damn okay hold on I need a bit of time to process what you just said because it's it's pure I'm, wi- I'm downloading wisdom ladies and gentlemen I'm downloading wisdom okay this is Lin Sien Ku not our coach <laughs> but this is version two of Lin Senku. no because i do i do like i do recognize that us as creatives on our creative journey whenever we create a piece of work it's a response to something it's always a response to something yeah. and that response to something perhaps we hope right our hope is that we would feel a change or we might come to a certain revelation or realization of what was it that we're trying to explore on i think the ctfa model just really simplifies that 
So whatever the creative journey is, could be also implemented into the CPSL model. And for the for the listeners, so just to give a little bit of um, education on the CPFAR model. So there are five different letters. First one is C, which is the circumstance. T, which is the thought that you have. F, which is the feeling that you're feeling when you're thinking of a thought. A is the action, which is the magic concoction of thoughts and feelings combined, which drives action. And the last one is the results. So CPFAR. So the unintentional thought model is what we operate with, right? So what is our default that we operate with through our daily life. And whenever we want to feel a change in something, that's where the shift needs to happen from the unintentional model to the intentional model. A lot of the times, us as creatives, we get stuck in the unintentional thought model. And we're hoping that through the art making process, we might shift a little bit into the international thought model, right? But honestly, we're just like scratching the surface. We were not even there yet. Um, so I believe what Quinn has, you know, realized is just this little bridge in understanding. It just really helps you to concretize and go, oh my God, this is, this is it. Yeah. So guys, creatives, if you ever want coaching on your creative process, you can go to Quinn. Quinn will be very happy to, you know, unleash his Kung Fu. <laughs> yes, come, find me. I'll be very happy to talk you through. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu, Kung Fu move. Okay, yeah. Um, but I will, but also on this um, podcast, I will be sharing a little bit of what we have learned through the SCA because I think it can benefit anybody and everybody. Um, but if you do want specialized uh, coaching, you can head to Quinn or myself, correct? If you could give anybody a book, a piece of writing, a music, a photo, or anything, what would that be? A gift. Yes, if you could give anybody, what would that gift be? That's a very difficult question. Um, I'll give give my book. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) But uh, I, I think I give gifts. In a more specific sense, mm. uh, it depends on the person. Uh, what the person is about, what the person wants, like where the person wants to go. Uh, I would want to give a gift that's meaningful in that sense. Mm. So I think uh, it's very hard for me to pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say, I, I, I think I've also learned this through self development work, but it's really about less about you but maybe it's more of like the combination when you want to give someone it's a combination of my intentions with the other person it's not just like my intentions like yeah I think like this thing is good I'm gonna give you and then you're gonna enjoy but then it's it's not the other person in some sense would need to enjoy it as well and to have the understanding and my intention kind of like come together then I think that's where you would give a very powerful gift Mm. It's one of those where they say the thought that counts, but sometimes the gift counts too. Because the gift needs to to matter to the other person. That's why you're gifting the gift, right? So thank you, Quinn, for gifting us the gift of, you know, letting us hear your thoughts on your book and guiding us through your creative process and journey. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah.
thank you for the interesting experience of having this podcast in a nursing room. <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring it back to the nursing room. Ah, but to be fair, we have water. We could drink some water. I feel like we've talked a lot. Water is good. Full circles are great. <laughs> so, we'll see okay. you guys around. All right. Bye.